Hi, my name is Jeremiah Gibbs and welcome to Find Your Place. We interview dynamic professionals to learn how God is using them to further the kingdom of God and how their story will help you to find your place in God's mission as well. Today I'm interviewing Dr. Travis Wilcoxon. Travis is a biologist and a college professor who's committed to the success of his students. Travis is also a wise guide for those of us who are navigating the way between faith and science. If you love science and you want to find out how you can make a difference for the kingdom of God, then stay tuned and find out how you can find your place. If stories like this one are helpful to you, take a moment to subscribe to this channel and check the description. You'll find some more links uh, to stories like it. Let's hear Travis's story. Well, I am here today with uh, Dr. Travis Wilcoxon. Uh, Dr. Wilcoxon is a biologist and a college professor. And um, wanna, I don't want to say much because I want you to be able to, to have a chance to introduce yourself, uh, Travis. But um, uh, glad to have you here today to talk a little bit about how you ended up um, doing the things that you do, and uh, and good to good to have you on the on the program. So, if you would just begin by telling us a little bit about your work, um, what are the things about that that uh, that you what do you do every day? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I am a biology professor, and uh, I've been in that role for eleven years now. Uh, I also have spent the past three years as chair of my department, so. Uh, with some of the normal biology professor stuff, I also have some administrative duties with mm -hmm. coordinating other faculty members in the department and working at the administrative level. Uh, but really, uh, at, the, at the school that I'm at, that means that I teach a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. But fortunately, I'm also at a university where uh, we really value student research and, and teaching students how to become scientists, not just mm -hmm. you know, art students. Uh, so I still have a very active research program uh, that accompanies my teaching duties. So yeah. teaching and research are my primary roles in my job with some administrative work on the side to coordinate yeah. the inner workings of a department. Yeah. So when you think about sort of this, because it is uh, what you're doing very much is a dual role, right? Where you're being a biologist, but you're also being a teacher of biology. Um, obviously, the administrative thing is it's kind of its own its own piece, too. But what when you think about yourself in terms of these kind of two vocations, biology and teaching, how much of how much of of those uh what takes priority for you what is sort of how do you primarily think of yourself sure um teaching really leads the way because even when i do my research uh i let my students be my co-workers my colleagues um really yeah. in a lot of ways years uh yeah. so the goal is to train them to work alongside me on the research side so even then there's teaching and we yeah. also have the luxury of being at a small university where we're allowed to be pretty creative in our offerings of classes. And yeah. so there's a lot of work that I do in research that infiltrates the classroom. And we yeah. have lab activities that are for the students that are very much designed from my research. So yeah. uh, I would say that teaching is the number one um, priority and consumes most of my time. But tying those things together creates the best experience for me and the best experience for them. Uh, yeah. I have since graduate school, I have long since a abandon any type of goal for like, I need to have a separate research program for me. And then there's this research program for my students. I'm fully confident that I can bring my students on board and that we can have one project, one team together. And I don't yeah. need a separate agenda for my research that's different from theirs. 
Yeah, that's really cool. And obviously that requires the support of, of your department and so on to, to sort of agree with that agenda sure. and, and to let your, your pattern be shaped by the, by the whole. So what are some other things that for you are super, are just big part of your life that are not a part of your work? Mm -hmm. So um, church is an important part of my life. Um, so we attend, well, we've been virtually attending, <laughs> yeah. uh, for some time here. Um, but, uh, that's been a part of my life since I was a child. Um, it's changed. The, the role of the church in my life has changed certainly. Uh, and I found myself, uh, as I become more of uh, a leader in my profession, I've also taken on leadership roles in the church, which is something that I didn't necessarily anticipate, uh, mm -hmm. when I was here, going through the church. Um, I also love to uh, just experience nature beyond the job. So obviously yeah. research has some some experiences of getting outside and getting outdoors. Mm -hmm. but, um, I love wildlife photography. I love taking okay. my children outside and, and they like to call it going on adventure hikes. Yeah. Um, and uh, so those are, are two things that uh, really do. I, I spend a lot of my time doing outside of my job. Yeah. So how you said your your uh, kids have kind of got onto this adventure hike thing. How is this uh, sort of commitment to biology? How's that filtering into your family or even into your church? I imagine if you're taking on leadership roles that 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 takes on a new emphasis within the congregation, too. Uh, very true. And, you know, there have been uh, at each of the churches I've been at as we've moved from from town to town or throughout our career. You know, it's been really interesting that. Uh, there's that blend of people who are who are also love nature and, and that whole yeah. approach to good stewards of, of God's yeah. land. Um, and that's nice to be able to instill that in my children and to have access and knowledge of that uh, part of the world. Uh, but there's also been a lot of opportunities for people who say, "How you're a biologist and you're here in our church. Um, yeah. How are you reconciling those things? So there's been a lot of yeah. teaching opportunities uh, along the way there. And I think that's also something that um, I can do, I can work through even in my day-to-day -day life with my students when they come with those questions. So yeah. uh, they really do go hand in hand. I don't necessarily actively seek those all the time, but I don't try yeah. to force, hey, everybody, I'm the biologist in the church. Let me talk <laughs> about science. But I'm 100% up for when those people come up and have the questions and having that conversation. Yeah. And this past year, uh, since my research is actually in um diseases that are tr transmissible through wildlife. That's my primary. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, this past year, the church that I'm at now also even, you know, sort of tapped me to help provide some insight into how can we return to church? How can we yeah. we, um, have some members of the congregation joining at times? And so in that case, this, this year is the first time that they really, uh, that expertise yeah. was, was needed in yeah. how safely, how we safely do church. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting too. I think, you know, my wife's congregation has the, the Dean of the IPUI school public health is one of her board members and the ways that that changes the conversation within the church. Cause so often pastors, I mean, every, every leaders criticized for their decisions in, in a situation like this, but so often, you know, you can, you can have this person who's a legitimate expert speaking on behalf of the church. Um, and I think it changes the conversation. It's much, I'm sure much harder for the conspiracy theorist or whoever to, to, to say to Dr. Wilcox and, Oh, well, that's not how viruses work. <laughs> right? Well, uh, and on the other hand is the understanding of how the church works and, and yeah. the pulls in the context of, of what the people in the congregation want and what they need with that connection. I mean, you know, yeah. there are a lot of times where someone would say, 
you know, do we have to shut this down completely or certain aspects of it? And I would say, you know, I think I think there's a balance. I think we can safely yeah. have some of that. And and they were pleasantly surprised, like, oh yeah, you're right. That would yeah. that would mean a lot to uh, yeah. church to still be able to come do those things. Uh, so yeah. that's great news, kind of thing. Uh, yeah. And I, that's what happens if you if you just tap into resources of people who have the expertise in one the science part but don't understand yeah. the church. You get sort of a boilerplate type thing oh we can only yeah. do this the only way to do it uh yeah. so that was that was useful i think and and we did the same thing with the university right i mean they yeah. still had to ask those of us who know them the more about infectious disease to chime in on how we even yeah. as a university yeah it's interesting in, in how that has conversation has happened publicly that so often people can see the reason that kids need to go to school for example they certainly are not going to see the reason that folks need to go to football and basketball games but so many also don't understand why church is an important part of people's lives why there needs to be a, a a way in which we can do this um, that still supports people's lives, not only spiritually, but their own just emotional health and so on um, in that too. It's a, it's a big part of the conversation that I think is sometimes getting lost in all of this. But I think as somebody who's really in the middle of that, um, it helps to be able to have a voice like yours. So I'm sure that there are other folks, I'm sure it's a question you get often, but, when you think about your your commitment, your vocation to your faith and to your church and your vocation as a biologist, where are the places where that uh, is in alignment and the, the encourages one another? What are some of the places where um, that is challenging in a conflict? Mm -hmm. um, so the challenges, of course, come from when we don't have and I don't, I don't like to paint it as both sides, but that's how conversations ultimately end up happening. We don't have enough people that really study from both sides. So we don't have enough people who have read the Bible, who have mm -hmm. actively uh, been in fellowship with other Christians and understand their you know, viewpoint and worldview, and then also very well-versed in the sciences. Mm -hmm. uh, so you end up with people that say, well, my book says this, and that means I don't believe anything it says. And on the other side, they say the same. And I say, y'all need to read them both. <laughs> um, right. because if you do that and then you live your life you know sticking to um sort of the the goals and the um the the, the hopes that both inspire i mean you know we want to answer questions if we want to yeah. answer questions as a christian yeah. i want to answer questions as a scientist yeah um, and if you if you hold tight to you know your, your convictions and the discipline associated with both you start to realize that there will be a sign one way or the other that tells you if you're going the wrong way in one or the other and, you know, I've continued yeah. to push up to the highest level of, uh, you know, the, the PhD in my field and in pursuing research and including evolutionary research. And yet never has that caused me to, you know, waver or question whether or not, um, you know, I can be a scientist and a Christian. Uh, so yeah. I feel like the, the most difficult part is when other people aren't willing to open their minds to that possibility. And yeah. so they just, you know, they want to bring up that conversation of, you know, my, my viewpoint is terribly flawed because I will even entertain both sides of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, you know, I, I, I think um, often people imagine that they're going to get to do something in their career or their discipline or whatever that has no conflict. And that's mm -hmm. just, I mean, even in my role, it, it's very common. I'm a pastor and, and often I'm saying, well, wait a minute. 
one aspect of my ethical commitments or my faith may tell me I've got to do this thing. And my other one's got to just tell me I, I may need to do this other thing. We're all trying to negotiate those, those um, tensions. And I think the t- tension's the right word. It's mm-hmm. a tension and, and we're trying to negotiate them and you, nobody gets off cleanly. Right. And, and it may be in fact that biologists, at this point in how we understand both theology and evolutionary biology might have it harder (laughs) than some other disciplines, but it's not, everyone's got tension between these things. Um, And, and, and if we believe that truth reigns over all of it, then of course they can all be reconciled too. Um, But it doesn't mean it isn't, isn't difficult to, to do that. So tell me, Travis, what do you really love about what you do? So I, I intentionally chose a career at a small university because at, I, I attended a small university where we had individual attention from our professors and I valued that a lot. And uh, I love taking the knowledge and the experience I have and finding a way to help equip the next generation to take that and go as far as they want to go and to pursue uh, what they want to do. And the successes do far exceed the failures. And so the number of times that I can say, you know, I, I, I helped at some point, whether it's throughout their entire time as a student or their entire time as a student and then well into their professional career, or even if it was just like in a single class, um, having that opportunity to take my knowledge, my experience, and, um, you know, give students a heads up to what's next and, and equip them with the knowledge necessary to succeed, uh, it is the best part of the job. No, I love it very much. And uh, that is, as you can ask anybody, like if I, if I published a paper and uh, it was in collaboration with somebody from some of the university in a big lab, or if one of my students got into med school, I'll tell you which one I'm going to celebrate the most. Mm, <laughs> Definitely yeah. the student getting into med school. And, and yeah. my, my wife will be like, stop talking about it. I'm happy for you. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, so it sounds like the developmental piece, I don't know, that's a word you used a couple of times, seeing the development or seeing the seeing them accomplish all that you would hope for them to accomplish is, is critical there. Uh, did you know that that was important to you before you got into this field or did you sort of discover that on the job? So I, I think I did because uh, I started college as a secondary education biology major so i wanted to teach high school um yeah my high school mentor had a rough go of the transition in the educational system uh toward Mm. toward what the the all um standardized test-based situation was and so i decided well i really want to jump into that pool i want to teach at a higher level uh at a um, college level yeah so i knew i wanted to teach i knew i wanted to take all of my appreciation for science and, and, and administer it into a classroom or to, to students. Um, and then it was just the experience I had as an undergrad with those professors and seeing how much they love their jobs, just that sort of sealed the deal. Because so when I got to grad school and I had success with my research and, and my advisor would say, hey, like you have all the makings and your publication rate and your grants and everything. You can go to a big university. You can do this at, a, at the highest mm-hmm. level. And I said, no, I'm going right back to the type of place <laughs> that yeah. I went to. And it was hard for him to understand, to be honest, because yeah. you know, he'd never been in a school like that. And uh, it in that field, in the field of biology, sometimes it feels like if you're not pursuing 
the biggest grants and the biggest journals that yeah. you are settling, right? Absolutely, um, yeah. But I knew that I wanted to be right back doing that kind of thing. But I also knew I wanted to be at a school where the research component mattered. Uh, so I think from from my experiences um, as a high school student with great mentors, I saw a clear path towards what I wanted to be um, yeah. and in this yeah, it's interesting. I mean, uh, I guess I didn't say earlier, you and I went to the same college and and my roommate was in the chemistry program uh, with you, um, I, although they're not together, but chemistry and biology <laughs> in such a small school, we're not yeah. far from each other. Um, and I think one of the things that was great about going to Eureka College or such a small school is we did have great teachers. There were great teachers across the entire campus. But I think, you know, particularly in the sciences, um, the research capacity of our department was not particularly high. You've mentioned a couple of times that that's important at the current place that you're at. What's the what's been the dynamic? How did that how did that come out? Did you go? Where was your Ph.D. from? Was it from a research university? Uh University of Memphis, so okay. it's not really an R one, but it is still yeah. it's still a research institution. I mean, they're still yeah. you know they're still expected to have external funding and yeah. uh, mentor people students uh, and have a have a strong publication record. Uh, so yeah, the um, Eureka just has had too small of a faculty, too many students in the sciences to really give them the time to focus on research. So the difference at my school is really we teach one class less per year than the professors mm -hmm. that I had at Eureka did. And if you take yeah. however much time it takes into designing a class and grading for a class, yeah. and you spread that out among some lab time or some field time, you can get a lot of research done mm -hmm. in the amount of time that one course per year uh, takes. And yeah. that, that's the difference. We, we, have, uh, yeah. you know, we have a little bit of funding that comes from some gifts that were given to the department, um, some estate gifts that helps us fund some of the research. But even a lot of it is funded just with general department budgets and lab fees from from the students paying for their classes. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's not it's it's just that we have just a little bit more time and uh, an emphasis on that as part of our uh, delivery of the curriculum. Yeah. And that, that's the biggest difference is those professors we had at Eureka. I mean, they just they were teaching four classes, oftentimes all with labs, and yeah. you just can't find any time for research <laughs> with that yeah. kind of yeah yeah in fact it's uh here at the university of indianapolis and we have a bit larger of a research capacity um but one of the big debates right now is can we take um can we take faculty from 12 hours a semester to nine hours a semester even some of the time you know, right. because the, it's exactly as you were saying, going from 12 hours to nine hours would change everybody's research agenda so significantly. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it's an expensive thing, which is why colleges debate these things. But but it uh, it changes your role as a as a, a faculty person to be able to um, just engage your role differently, which I think one of the things that I, I really try to talk a lot about with um with vocation conversations about this is that your individual uh, personality and your own interests often determine the way that you do a job. Sometimes it determines the job that we do and other times it, it determines the way that we do the job. So is there something about your personality, your strengths that you think I do this job differently than the guy that or woman who's in the, down the hall? Yeah. Um, I think that I really try to include 
as many voices as possible. And that in, that's all at all levels. So, I mean, my students who are just starting on research, it's not me telling them this is what you're going to do and we're going to call it research projects. It's, hey, let's talk about what you're interested in and let's see where this works. And then at the administrative level um, in my department, let's hear everybody's voice before we make a decision. And yes, at some point in time, I'm going to have to have the confidence to make the call. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm a scientist, so it's about collecting evidence and then making the right yeah. choice. So I feel that process. But in the classroom too, and I mean, it sometimes blows students' minds when I'm like, we're going to have a democratic process today in the classroom. Uh, yeah. Um, we're going to talk about whether you would rather have your exam structured this way or that way. And I'm going to explain yeah. to you why I deliver different types of exams. And so I really explain that this is this class is not just so I can get, you know, a bell curve out of grade distribution. Like I have learning goals. Yeah. We have multiple different ways we can meet them. And yeah. I would like to put on how you would most like to approach them. And then I design from there. And so I think that approach is just works really well for people to, to have partial have ownership of it. Yeah. And of course, the challenge is you still have to in all those situations, I still have to be the one that that drives the steers the car, drives the ship, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, so I can't give it all up. I can't give up all responsibility, but I can give up enough that I can then reflect back on that and, and move forward. And I think that's what works. I think that's what works at yeah. all those levels. Uh, yeah. The people it doesn't work with are are hard are people that are generally hard to work with. <laughs> generally, yeah, yeah. So. You know, I think one of the things I have a, a colleague of mine. I went to uh, grad school with him, but he teaches in Wisconsin. I think at the University of Wisconsin, but. It, he is so collaborative. I mean, to the point that I'm like, I, I don't think I could involve my students in the process the way that you are. You know, like yeah. I, I just sort of like, I can't do that. But what's interesting for me is I'm only associated with him on Facebook now, but he talks about teaching a lot uh, on social media. And so I think he pushes me, even though he's, you know, we're just interacting on social media. I can imagine that your colleagues are also push to involve students in a collaborative process and that's one of the ways that we the, the unique gifts that we have melded you know mold a department especially as a chair yeah and we've even you know identified some what places in the where we can make some changes so that we can better facilitate that so mm. for example we used to basically have all the students do all this research but we weren't teaching them any statistics so it was up to the research advisor to do all of that. And I was like, we need a statistics class. We need a class that the students have the skills and that way everybody's speaking the same language. And just like, the, I mean, it just changed the whole dynamic. And yeah. yes, I mean, I have to teach it, but <laughs> uh, right. it's a great, I, it, they, I see them learning skills that I know they're going to use going forward. It's not just for their research experience as a student. Uh, right. And so it's so a little like that um, certainly go a long way. If you're trying to figure out where God is calling you to serve, then I hope you will check out my book, Find Your Place in God's Mission. It's a step-by-step -step guide for hearing and claiming God's calling on your life. It's incredibly practical. It's filled with stories like you hear on this show. So check the links in the description for a link to purchase the book. You can also win a copy of the book for free. All you have to do is subscribe to this channel and leave a comment on this video. Tell me what you're passionate about in the comments. That will be your entry. Even if you're watching this video long after we've released it, I give away a, a free copy of the book every week to somebody who's commented during that week. So make sure that you subscribe, leave a comment about your passion, and you could win a free copy. Enter as often as you like just by new, putting a new comment on one of the Find Your Place videos. Click the link in the description to check out the book.
So tell me what is uh, really hard about your job. What's the part you would get rid of if you could? Um, watching students struggle. <laughs> um, the times where, and it doesn't matter what they're struggling with. Um, you know, if they're struggling because they just don't understand the content, then it's sometimes easier just to say this maybe isn't your field. But struggle with personal life, struggle with things like faith, struggle with um, uncontrollable things and trying to, to talk them through that. Um, knowing that the relationships I build are going to lead to me being that person that gets that conversation yeah. probably way more than a lot of other people at the university. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I both set myself up for it and then I, you know, it's hard. Um, and yeah. so, yeah. so identity development is huge, of course, through these, these college years. And, um, it's hard to know that I'm always providing the best advice or, or, or sound advice yeah. or good advice when my experience is kind of singular. Right. And, uh, yeah. So, so I think that's it. When, when students are really struggling, no matter what they're struggling with trying to be, you know, always being an ad advocate for them, but also trying to coach them through those struggles that that's, that's hard. <laughs> yeah, it is hard. Yeah. And you know, you, you, like you said, you never know if you've said the right thing or done the right thing. Uh, it's a little bit like parenting, uh, as you know, uh, from that as well. It's like, uh, sometimes you're, you think you might've gotten it right. And other times you're quite certain that you didn't. <laughs> so, um, so uh, what are the parts of your job that you know that you're really good at? I, I think that, uh, I am really good at that. The collaborative stuff that we mentioned earlier, I think making everyone realize that I value their contributions mm -hmm. and it, that, that makes the experience work great. Um, I mean, I, I try to even do, and we're an under, even though we're an undergraduate institution and all my students that work directly with me, for instance, in research are undergrads. We have a lab identity. We have meals together. You know, we go to conferences together. We, we have a, we, we build all that camaraderie and teamwork. And, uh, so I think because that's the approach I take, I think what comes out the other end, the things that we assess in terms of productivity, it all looks good, but it's all because of that approach. It's not because I necessarily always work harder than everybody else or because I don't sleep. Uh, it's because I've identified uh, a skill set that I have that works for this group of people to all of us to succeed together. And uh, so the good news is for all of the hard parts of dealing with students who are struggling, I think I've identified a way to reduce the times I have to deal with struggling because I also mm. am more than happy to really let them explore many, many possibilities. I, and, and so I think all of that means that I'm in the right place doing the right job and my approach yeah. to this is working. Yeah. Yeah. So how, what life experiences do you, did you have prior to, I mean, obviously lots of training through the education system and, and so on that prepared you for this, but aside from some, from your school experiences, what are some of the other life experiences that you think that prepared me to do this? Well, so, uh, my parents, uh, neither one of them completed college degrees, and they've, they've both had, you know, my dad was a laborer for 34 years in a steel factory, and my mom's been a legal secretary um, since back before they required degrees for that kind of thing. Um, and both of them were kind of like, hey, you seem to have it together. You seem to be motivated, and 
Um, you know, we've provided for you, but we want you to go do whatever you want to do. Don't, you know, just, just take your skills, take your goals, take your dreams and, and, and pursue them. And so early on having parents who literally just let me be me was huge. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think I see that all the time. And then there were a number of people in my life along the stages that all also facilitated the scientist thing. So um, my dad was just, has always been a major outdoorsman. So he had me outside mm. doing stuff all the time. Um, my high school biology teacher, who I mentioned earlier, was actually my junior high biology teacher as well. And then she got moved to the high school. <laughs> so uh, I had amazing teacher in this tiny town in Western Illinois, this teacher who, who um, for six years was my biology instructor and she had a master's degree and she even approached the high school classroom as inquiry-based learning, right? We don't need to just learn from the textbook. Let's do labs that mean something. And simultaneously um, in my church, in my hometown, the director of the local biological station was a leader in my church and he knew about my interest in biology. So he was a great mentor and one of the people that I could always look to for that sort of, and all through grad school and even into my early years as a professor was someone who I'd look to for some of that uh, reconciliation and balance of, you know, leader in church, leader in science. How do those things work together? Um, And then the the biology professors at your, I mean, I just, all of these people, have had that have been in my life at those times at the right times yeah had more viewpoint maybe we didn't all have the exact same interests in science or even the exact same sort of uh you know religious beliefs at all times yeah but everyone always welcomed that balance and welcomed this approach and everybody also was very inclusive and collaborative yeah. along the way so i think yeah. i learned them way more than just science <laughs> yeah 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 you know i think I think sometimes we underestimate how much these people who get, whether we, whether we consider that somehow God has put them in our lives at the rest of the right time, or if, you know, you may say, well, the reason that I end up becoming a biologist is because I had all these great people who were interested and passionate around me. However, you may think about sort of what, you know, chicken and egg kind of theological question there, but however you may think about that, the people are so critical and also a great indicator of where calling is going in our life, you know, um, because without that kind of mentoring and so on, it becomes much more difficult to just make the move, right? To be able to, to know what you're getting into, to be able to neg- navigate the, the faith and, and science questions, as you were, you were mentioning, you know, those things don't just happen in a classroom. They happen through relationship. Um, sure. So we got to really pay attention to people. And I tell my students all the time when they ask me, I mean, I've had students who, you know, reach their year and ask me some of these questions you've been asking about my approach, right? Like, yeah. Whereas, because some of them are interested in pursuing similar careers and, and they want to know about, you know, what, what my um, strategy is or my approach to this stuff. And, and sometimes when I explain it. I tell them if you had ever met <laughs> and I list, you know, the college professors, the high school biology teacher, the um, church biologist mentor mm-hmm. and my parents. If you ever met those six people, it would all make sense. <laughs> mm. yeah, you would, yeah, yeah. You'd be like, I don't have an original thought. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> 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 well, it's and it's the molding together of those influences too, right? Like, I mean, you're, you're talking about your parents not having a, a you know a 
higher ed background and so on, but, but the love for the outdoors and the love for, for nature. And uh, you mentioned earlier the language of stewardship, the, this kind of theological concept that, that we have a mandate that we're to, to care for the earth. How was that developed either in your church or maybe from your family? Where did that, that sense come from? Yeah, I, I just think that uh, there was always just that sense of respect. Like I said, my dad was an outdoorsman, so hunting and fishing. And it was one of those things that when you're out there, it was always, there were always lessons of, you know, there's, um, we're going to, you know, go out to try to get something and we're going to eat it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but we're going to be, you know, very um, careful in how we do that and what we take and how mm-hmm. many. And while we're there, we're going to appreciate all of the things around us. Um, you know, in family vacations where part of the point was just to appreciate the natural area around us, not just to go to a tourist trap. Uh, those are all things that were all part of that. And so, you know, it wasn't even something that I would say that was routinely spoken. So it's not like Mm -hmm. my parents regularly were like outside of church. We're like, you know what, today we're honoring this, you know, this nature, the natural area because it's God's land. It was just, it connected. Right. So the lessons I learned by being in church every Sunday, combined yeah. with the, the the basic lessons of, of, of goodness and stewardship from my family, again, tying those things together or, or being able to tie those things together was really influential. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I think you're talking about the influences of being a hunter and sort of what that, um, you know, I think folks who, who are not, who don't have that in the background probably don't understand the dynamic because what they see like so many things they see the most public face, which is when you bring the deer in, in the back of the truck, you know? Um, but you know, I think about even my own life. So today I'm a pastor, but a big part of my calling the last six or seven years has been taking people on, uh, hiking experiences on Camino de Santiago in Spain. Well, much of that love for the outdoors was created by as a nine or 10 year old being in the woods at four o'clock in the morning, freezing, of course, but, but, you know, um, sitting there waiting, listening to, to every sound because it might be an indication that a deer was coming along, but, but you're listening to everything that's going around around you and this kind of connection with the earth and connection with God's creation in a way that, that, you know, I, I, obviously Im- impacted long-term uh, my, my commitments too. So Certainly. really powerful. Um, so why would you say the work that you do is important? So the work I do is important. Um, first, uh, sort of just in a purely functional standpoint, I mean, the vast majority of the students I work with are off to become healthcare providers and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're going to, to tend to the sick and, uh, and to help them, um, recover and, and gain strength. And that's obviously an important calling um, from, and again, an area where we have intersection of <laughs> our, yeah. our, our, our healing um, biblical and also, you know, the sciences that, that drive that now. Um, but the other stuff is just helping students understand how to ask questions and seek answers, especially ones that don't always have just a very clear cut answer to, to be able to ask open-ended questions and continue to seek more knowledge on that topic. Uh, that helps everybody, everybody, no matter what field they go into, even the ones that uh, decide they don't want to be a biologist anymore when they're done or before they finish, um, encouraging them to just be open-minded and think uh, in, in whatever journey they're on, that's going to help them a lot. So 
because that is the bulk of what I do. And even when I'm doing research, you know, okay, I'm catching a bird today so I can look for antibodies to some disease. That's <laughs> great. Um, there's usually a student with me <laughs> yeah. and we're talking the whole time about, you know, the, yeah. the philosophy behind science and, and thinking. Uh, and so yeah. it's important because I'm every day working with young minds and equipping them with the, the skills necessary to ask the important questions in life. Yeah, very good. Thank you for your investment in students. Uh, it's certainly one that's been a big part of my life the last 12 years. But, um, you know, it, it, we have to this is a uh, an important calling that we happen to share that that we get to be a part of the the one of the most critical parts of a of a young person's life. And and um, certainly uh, thankful for God's call to do that. Thanks for being on today, too. Thank you for uh, sharing a bit of your calling and um, really an honor to be able to to be able to share you uh, with folks that will be listening in, too. Thanks Absolutely. a lot. Thank I believe that stories like this one are incredibly helpful in figuring out where God is leading you in your life. Sometimes when you're in the middle of the story, it's really difficult to know where God is speaking and where God is moving in your life to lead you. As we look back on these lives of these professionals, then we learn a little bit about how God is moving in their life, and I believe it'll make it easier for you to know how God is moving in your life. If you like stories like this one, subscribe to this channel and check out the description for links to other stories uh, that are like it. And I hope that you'll come back again soon.